Hosanna, a fellowship of Christians. Good morning. There's something about that phrase, I will bring you back home, my children. It's good to see you all back here. Some new faces all the time. We say that about every Sunday. I know you get tired of hearing that probably, but it's good to see people, you know, coming home. It's not the same without you here. But we are glad that you're joining us on, on live stream as well. Um, and so I want to pray. Let's, let's pray together. <clears throat> Our God who is in heaven, you're perfect. May your reign be more and more evident on the earth, just as you reign in heaven. You give us just what we need for today. You forgive us our sins and you cast them into the sea of forgetfulness. And we too will forgive others as freely as you have forgiven us by your power. You are with us and you help us through the trials and the hardships of life. You deliver us from the one who wants to destroy our soul, from the one who wants to steal the fullness of life that you have freely given to us here in this life. Because yours is the kingdom and yours is the power and yours is the glory forever and ever. Amen. Would you be willing and able to stand up if you can?
He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Well, what if the waters aren't still? Jesus demonstrates something to us very significant in this story. When he instructs the disciples that they're going to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and en route, a huge storm comes up. They think they're going to die, and they do what most human beings do when they think they're going to, going to die. God, help! And um, it just so happens that Jesus is sleeping. Now, I do have to add that this is Jesus' human side, right? Because I want to point that out, because God never sleeps. But this is, you know, Jesus sleeping. Um, and the disciples crying out, where are you, God? We're dying. Wake up, God. And this is the, the clincher right here. Don't you care? Because that's the, the actual question they asked Jesus. Don't you care that we're going to die? We, we can't be critical of the disciples. We've all done this, right? God, don't you care? Where are you? Wake up. Um, so they wake him up from his slumber. Um, but the fact of the matter is that Jesus was sleeping through the midst of this violent storm. It communicates that no matter what's going on around us, no matter what kind of chaos or difficulty or challenges or turmoil, peace and strength and trust and even rest is still possible. And Jesus demonstrated right there that somehow Jesus was resting in the midst of this chaos. Jesus lives in us Somehow, we can find that peace and rest in chaos. Um, and he, of course, speaks to the storm, be still. Peace, be still. And then he asks us the probing question, why were you so afraid? So just take a moment, maybe if you want to close your eyes. So if, imagine, think of a storm that you may be in right now, big or small, no matter what kind of intensity this storm is, what is there a storm that you find yourself in right now? Acknowledge what may feel like chaos and even allow yourself, give yourself permission to feel it and experience it a little bit right now. We don't like that, but notice the turmoil that it brings to your life. Acknowledge it. Now transition your focus and picture yourself wrapped up in the strong arms of God in, within his hands. Peaceful, restful, still, even sleeping. Can you sleep in the midst of this turmoil in God's hands? And Jesus lives in you. Sorry, I need to speak louder <laughs> for the live stream. But you can because Jesus lives in you. Let's keep that in mind as we sing this song.
If there's anyone that, that I know that can keep this energy going, it's Kelly. Yeah. Come on up here. <laughs> Have a seat. No pressure there at all. None. None. Well, how about we give it up for the worship team? bringing us that worship every Sunday. That's wonderful. Welcome, everybody. It's great to see everybody here and uh, live streaming. We welcome you all today. And if we have any visitors here, a special welcome to you. It's, it's nice to be um, talking about visitors again and, and more and more people back here. So it's just great to see everybody today. Um, something old, but that's new again, is we have ushers, okay? And that's the first time in a year and a half that we have had ushers, so a uh, yay for ushers, yeah. So um, they're going to be coming around to the, the center here um, for your offering, and if you're sitting at a table, you can put your offering in the buckets and they will collect them as well. So we have a little bit of both worlds going on here, but um, it's nice to see that return. Happy Father's Day. Um, today is Father's Day, and on behalf of all of us here at Hosanna, I want to wish you a happy Father's Day. If you are a father, a grandfather, an uncle, a male role model, um, uh, you know, an important person in someone's life, um, we just wish you a happy Father's Day and the joy that comes with that day. At the same time, also where this could be a tough day for people. Um, perhaps your father's no longer here or you're estranged from your father or children, and that can be difficult as well. So it's just really important to honor all on, on that spectrum here today. And I want to share something with you. Some of you may have seen this um, already this morning. It um, was an email that came out from, from Tony, from Hosanna, and uh, it's just beautiful words uh, for us all here today, and I'm going to share it with you. Friends, we may not all be parents, but we are all someone's children. Very true. We all got here some way, right? We're all someone's children. No matter the love we have or have not received from human parents or others, all earthly love is a glimpse of the extraordinary love of our Father in heaven and on earth. Remember today with joy that God is with you and God is for you. God is even in you. Be adored and secure in that love. I love that line. Be adored and secured in that love. And not just by God. We think you're pretty awesome too. And we're glad you're part of our family this Father's Day. Love your Hosanna family. So that is to everyone, and as a special treat and acknowledgement, uh, any male 18 and over, please grab a Rice Krispie treat on your way out. A uh, little sweet for the sweets. I guess that's most of the time you're sweet. No, you're sweet all the time. I'm just kidding, no. Um, join me in a word of prayer, if you would, please. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the just the time to pause and be together here with friends and family, worshiping you. We ask your blessing on all today, um, whether it's a celebration of Father's Day or uh, someone in need of a little bit more grace and mercy on this day. We know that, that you love us and that you are here for us. We thank you for the gifts that were given today, and we ask you to bless those, um, that we can bless others with those gifts and also to continue to do your work here at Hosanna. We thank you for all the many gifts and for the love that you show us every single day, every moment of every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Number of announcements today, that's another kind of new thing. Like, things are really happening here uh, at Hosanna, uh, which, is, which is fun to see getting ramped back up. We have a free clothing giveaway coming up on September 25th. 
and we need volunteers to help sort the huge amount of clothing. Now, when I say huge amount, that is not an exaggeration. I have seen the office up where we have our offices. You cannot literally get in the door. I mean, you have to kind of push. There are bags and bags and bags and bags of clothing that everybody has generously donated, but we need help sorting them. So every day the office is going to be open from 10 to 2, and we're going to be sorting these, all these clothing, clothing donations in the upstairs conference room. So come on in. Don't need to sign up. Just come on in. If you do have any questions, you can contact Sherry Allen at sherry at hosannalytics.org or give the church office a call. But we do need your help with that. It'll be a lot of fun. Um, also, there's a writing reunion of the Hosanna community coming up um, called Together Again. This will be held on six Wednesday evenings from 7 to 9, beginning June 30th, running through August 4th. Uh, it will be led by Jane Clark. Uh, Jane has led other writing seminars here, and they're just really moving and, and deep, and so we invite you to be a part of that. It's also going to be offered on Zoom, and this time the writing focus is going to be about the experience of isolation that we've all had and how we reunite and, re reunite and reestablish a sense of belonging in our church community. You don't need any writing experience. Just come and, and be part of it. You can sign up at the Welcome Center on Hosanna's website. Um, and for the, any friends on Zoom that want to be participating in it, you can, the information will be given to you when you sign up for the class. And finally, you know what time of year it is. <laughs> finally, you know what time of year it is, right? Three weeks from today is Vacation Bible Adventure. There's my energy. Um, three weeks from today, this place is going to be rocking with the music of the 80s. Yay, I mean, the, the music's gonna be so much fun and you're gonna see all of us dressed up in the 80s, um, 80s you know, wear, all that kind of stuff. It's gonna be a lot of fun. So a few announcements for that. Really, I wanna thank you for last week, number of people signed up for different things and I'm so grateful for that. I wanna let you know too, this year, which is really cool, we have online registration. So I'm going to invite you, you get your kids signed up, your grandkids, your neighbors. I think Helen Cookie's been soliciting all the kids in her neighborhood. Um, and, and it's great. It's, it's going really well. Um, we have a lot of kids signed up already. But it's real simple. You can find the link at the Hosanna website. So get all your little people signed up. And it's preschool, you have to be uh, potty trained, but preschool on up through sixth grade this year if you're, if you're Loved ones finished sixth grade, they're welcome to join us. We have a couple of needs that remain. Um, some of the areas we need help with is registration. If you're not, like, if you don't have a lot of, let's say, patience to be with kids, or, you know, that's not your thing, come do registration. We need traffic control. We have a lot of traffic that goes on up, uh, out here. Chris Dye's heading that up for us this year, but we need help with that. Uh, we need help with games. Uh, we have a coordinator for that, happens to be Eric Wenzel, that's co coordinating games, but we need uh, one or two people to help with that, and also with crafts. Karen Swigert has been doing a great job getting crafts ready, um, and also some after VBS cl VBA cleanup. Uh, yeah, you got me on that. Um, and then finally, I want to let you know if you are volunteering on July 7th, which is the Wednesday before VBA, we'll have a meeting to get you all fired up and um, everybody, right, right. Everybody on the same page for VBA. So um, come be a part of it. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's, it's, you know, it's been two years since we've done this, or, and it's, um, we only made the decision to do this in person in May, which if you know the work that goes into this and the behind the scenes, that's an incredibly short time to pull this off. And there's been a lot of people working behind the scenes to do this, so I'm grateful for that. But come be a part of it. Any questions, feel free to ask me, okay? 
And with that, um, before Joanne and Tony join us, please join us in watching this video. I'll let you stay out. Stay out as late as you want. You want to borrow the new car? You want to borrow my credit card? Kids today, they really have it rough. I have no idea where we are or where we're going. I mean, when I was their age, life was easy. Super easy. Why haven't you gotten a tattoo yet? How come you don't have any piercings yet? Yep, we're lost. We are completely lost. Ooh, sports. Just do whatever the mechanic says to do. Vehicle maintenance is completely overrated. Look, whatever the mechanic is asking, just pay him. Pay him whatever he wants. I wish they had soap operas at night. I like that boy. You should date him. You should date him immediately. Well, what about the creepy guy with the motorcycle? He's cute. Yeah, sure. Spring break in Tahiti sounds fun. Hey, make sure you get all your video games done before you start your homework. You don't have to pass all your classes. What? You have a project due tomorrow and you've known about it for four weeks and you haven't started yet? Sweet! Doesn't anybody want to know if we're there yet? Remember, if you need anything between midnight and 4 a.m., please come wake me up. Hey, I'm on the phone. Could you bring the baby over and let him climb all over me? Well, we just stopped for lunch 10 minutes ago, but yeah, let's stop again. I never have trouble with my toddler. I never have trouble with my teenagers. I never have trouble with my adult children. You know, she's right. We are ruining her life. Yes, more homework to correct. All right, whining. Yay, tantrums. Mmm, vomit. We just really need to spoil these kids more. Sorry, buddy. I don't know any good jokes at all. You're 16. You pretty much know everything now. I think 18's a great age to get married. Okay, remember, make sure you turn on all the lights before you leave the house. Hey, could you leave the front door open for a couple hours? Thanks. Whoa, money really does grow on trees. One is about the dad jokes. I don't know any good jokes. I, I just love that part. I don't see what's funny about this. That's, that's what I sound like all the time. Yeah. Well, happy Father's Day, Tony. The well, thank Connor, you. The, the dad joke guy. And to all of our other dad, dads here, it's Father's Day, and it is a chance for all of us to thank and celebrate all the fathers in our lives, all they do. All they are natural fathers, our adoptive fathers, spiritual fathers, and of course our Heavenly Father, who's given us every good gift, including eternal life in Christ. So thank you. You know, our Heavenly Father, he gives us all of these gifts, but he asks nothing in return. He doesn't ask for a necktie, no aftershave, no works, you know? Um, <laughs> all he asks is love and faith in him. So happy Father's Day to all our dads. And if you're wondering why Tony is preaching on Father's Day, when he could be off, because we trade Mother's and Father's Day so we can each have them off, just know Tony chose to do it this way. He wants to receive that Father's Day gift next week. 
instead. So we're on. I have some dad jokes for you today. Oh. <laughs> this week we are continuing on in our series about becoming living witnesses of Christ. But as a nod to Father's Day, we're going to be including some illustrations of spiritual fathers as we broaden the conversation to include everyone in the body of Christ. This week, we're going to explore what it means to be living witnesses who create well, who offer life-giving, inspired opportunities for good and for God in the lives of this and future generations. So, what does it mean to create well? Well, what does it mean to be a father having children? It means more than just being able to produce. Genesis 1 says that we, every single one of us, has been created in the image and likeness of a creator God. Mm -hmm. Now, that's a God whose very nature is creative, who is still at work creating. There's a lot of people out there who think that God created once. He had a really busy week one time, and then he was done <laughs> yeah. and stopped, which, of course, is not true. He is still creating. He's always creating. Yes. And if we're created in his image, then we're made to create too, to create new things in the world, to co-create with God even uh, some, uh, some good things. Now, sometimes we do create good things. And sometimes, you know, because of the brokenness of sin, what we create is bad or ugly. We create burdens for others to carry. We create strife in relationships. We create problems for the next generation. We create headaches for those who love us. Not that you do any of those things. It's just all, all of that is me. <laughs> but God always creates well. So God invites those of us who know him, who are one with him, to do the same. It's one of our marks as disciples of Christ. So if the world is looking at us and saying, okay, what is different about you folks? What is different about us reflects who God is, and the answer is, well, we too are people that create well in the world. So here's another opportunity to show that, the goodness of God through the ways that we, can, the ways that we create. Mm -hmm. How can we do that? What do we mean by creating well? In very practical terms in a world like ours. Joanne, tell us all about it. Well, I'm going to start, and then we'll, you will continue. But <laughs> because each of us is a unique creation of God, each one of us will co-create our lives with God just a bit differently. And you know, that's what God intended. God intended us all to be, to be different. Why? Because our creator is an artist. Our creator God is an artist and each one of us is an original masterpiece who displays God's infinite beauty and grace in this world. So as co-creators with God, we must learn some art appreciation. We, we've got to train our eyes to see the expression of God's image in each person's unique palette of shape and form, texture and movement, their style, their expression, perspective, their, their unique gifts and skills and desires. See, it's a way of seeing that is appreciation. Right? This way of seeing allows us to become living witnesses who create well when we bless. That's the first point today. We create well when we bless. You know, it's so sad that hardly anyone knows what it means to bless anymore. We rarely use that word. <laughs> bless you. 
except when someone just decided to know he was going to do that. And we also use it maybe before a meal. That's about it. So to illustrate blessing, let's look at a biblical story of a spiritual father who blessed his spiritual son, Moses. Moses was 120 years old when he died. Yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning was over. Now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, who knew the Lord, who the, whom the Lord knew face to face. Okay, so in this passage from Deuteronomy 34, at this point, point Moses has died. And the people who followed him are, are heartbroken. And two actions are remembered in this passage to kind of sum up his life. And these two actions speak volumes about the mark that he made in the lives of the children of Israel. And these images, they also speak to us all these generations later. They speak to us about how each of us is father and mother, not only to to physical children or, or adopted children, but spiritually to each other. And yes, to spiritual children and to the generations coming after us. The first image here is Moses standing before the children of Israel, laying his hands on Joshua. See, they're remembering this as they grieve and mourn. Moses placing his hands on Joshua, declaring that God's favor and goodness now rested on Joshua and becoming a conduit for the spirit of wisdom through Moses to rest on Joshua. Moses blessed Joshua in the biblical meaning of that, of that word. That to bless is not only saying good, true words about someone, but it's also recognizing that the act of blessing itself contains the power to bring the words into reality. See, if we only knew the creative power of our words, we would be very, very, very careful what we say. Because the words of all God's people, not just like the the Old Testament prophet like Moses or other prophets, now we're all prophetic people in Christ. And the words of all God's people contain power to produce life or death in the lives of other people. What Moses did in blessing his spiritual son Joshua was crucial, listen, not only for Joshua, who was being called to step into Moses' big footprints. It wasn't only crucial for Joshua, it was crucial for the entire community of faith, for the entire nation of Israel to see this happening. It was was crucial that everyone hear Moses speaking loving, positive, uplifting words of hope into Joshua's mind and heart and soul. It was crucial because Moses told everyone there the truth he had already seen about who God created Joshua to be. 
listen, not only in that present moment, but he was also saying something about who Joshua was going, was going to become in the future. See, to bless is to speak truth about who someone is and about who they are becoming. Words that are full of the creator's love and purpose for that person. Spoken by, by someone who believes those words are true and actually believes in that person. So that maybe that person, he or she, can believe in themselves and actually live in a way that allows that blessing to become reality in their lives. If you grow up with you know, a, a physical parent or some, or some spiritual leader telling you that you're stupid, you're depraved, that you have nothing good to offer God or to offer this world, guess what? That creates a reality in you that causes you to live into that. That's not true. That is not blessing. That is cursing. Are we together? It matters because this, how we, we bless, what, you know, as we create. What are we creating? Imagine for a moment, just imagine what Joshua must have felt having the weight of Moses' hand, that hand on his head. Just imagine that hand. Because through that hand, God had delivered slaves from bondage. Through that hand, God had parted the Red Sea. Through that hand, God had done what seemed impossible for centuries. That hand had held the stone tablets written on by God's own finger. That hand had been held up to God in prayer for 40 years in the wilderness for those people. And that hand now rested on Joshua. As Moses looked on him, it not, not only rested his hand on him, but Moses looked on him with the face that had glowed with the presence of God and was now shining on him in blessing. See, all of those who trust us, all of those who follow us, all of those who look to us need that very same thing from us. They need to see our faces shining on them with confidence that they have been created in love with meaningful things to do in this world. So that they'll be able to believe you know, what we see and say about them. Why? Because they've seen us doing the work that we were created to do in this world. It's not just words. Got to be backed up with a life. I grew up a lot hearing, do as I say, not as I do. Hmm. No. That is not what we're called to do. That is not what God does. The world needs to look into Christian faces that shine with God's presence toward them. They need to hear us speaking life-giving words of blessing to them because we have actually prayed for them. And we've seen God's image and God's purpose for them. And we're not afraid to tell them the goodness of who God has created them to become. You want us to, we're, we're creating something together, folks. And as the church, there's a lot of things in this world that God wants to create and recreate, yes? We need to stop cursing them. 
We need to tell them the truth about who God has created them to be. We need to shine on them, and we need to live in a way that bears that reality out so that maybe we can all believe it together. So maybe the kingdom of God can come into all of its reality right here and right now. And you know, that praying, that's actually the second image of Moses' legacy. The first is the laying on of hands. The second image is that the Lord knew Moses face to face. This is deeply knowing someone. This is the kind of trusted friendship that comes only after spending a long, long time in another's presence. The Lord knew Moses intimately, and Moses knew God that way too. Why? Because Moses spent time interceding for his spiritual children, asking God to love and guide and protect and care for them, interceding that they be that God be merciful so that they don't have to live through all the consequences of their many, many bad, poor choices. And you know what? Your children, brothers, sisters, parents, friends, coworkers, your neighbors, even your enemies, need the blessing of your prayers on them. Because they need what only God can give them. God's friendship in Christ. God's love and guidance and protection and care, and they're not going to believe that that's possible from God unless they can see it's possible from us. As spiritual mothers and fathers, we need to wake up. We need to stop believing that blessing is made out of the material stuff of this world. We need to stop living like meaning and significance comes from being right about everything. At the end of our lives, it's not the stuff that's going to matter. That's not what mattered at the end of Moses' life. See, that stuff is not going to matter. Even your most cherished opinions not going to matter as you're laying on your deathbed. What's going to matter? The time, the love, the blessings, the prayer that you shared with others. Practically, this requires us to become very aware that simply being in relationship with someone doesn't guarantee that they're going to feel known or blessed. How many of us grew up in homes? Yes, some of us grew up in in homes where we were blessed that way. And it's made a difference, hasn't it? But there's others of us who have grown up in an environment where it was just sort of expected Right? That something would automatically happen because we're a family. And but how many of us grew up feeling like no one knew us, feeling unblessed? We've got to be very intentional about being living blessings in the lives of all of those that we influence, including our physical children, to speak and act in ways and pray in ways that give them insight into who God created them to be, not for us to be demanding that they be like us. Right? And to offer inspiration, that spirit of wisdom, to live into that reality more and more fully. So reflection question. Who in your family? Who in this congregation? Who in your neighborhood or your workplace could you bless 
in words or actions, in some way that might deeply encourage them to live more fully into their God-given identity and purpose. Tony? <laughs> you know, as we're Joanne was talking about blessing, one of the this number of the faces that crossed my mind were that of young adults for some reason. I get to sometimes speak into their lives or at least be part of them. And it's discouraging in this generation to hear how many young adults, some are, by the way, spiritually mature in ways that the rest of us need to learn from. And that they, they know the truth of this, but they're, it's discouraging how many do not believe that the people of God, that church is a place where they will experience blessing. Yeah. They've, um, they've concluded that churches of something different. Churches is not a place of blessing for them. And that's why in this generation, there's been so many that have wandered off from that. I don't think God is done with that story yet. Uh, but one of the things we get to do mm-hmm. is to uh, share God's blessing with them. Yeah. At the same time, sometimes we get to invite them to grow up a little bit. So. <laughs> there are a number of wonderful, beautiful blessings like that in Scripture. Uh, here's another one given by the Apostle Paul to his own spiritual son. Yet Moses to Joshua, Paul to his spiritual son, whose name was? Timothy. Timothy. In his first letter, two letters in the New Testament to Timothy. In the first one, which was to be read publicly to the entire congregation. So Moses is blessing Joshua in front of all the people. And Paul's doing the same thing. He puts his blessing right up front. Timothy, you are my true spiritual son in the faith. That's pretty bold. May, here's the blessing, may abundant grace, mercy, and total well-being from God the Father and the anointed one, our Lord Jesus, be yours. And if you read anything of Paul's epistles in the New Testament, you know those are not just nice, pious Christian words. Uh, He meant that. Timothy had been taught well how to live out and speak his own faith in Christ. So he and Paul show us that another way we create well is when we teach. Now, what do we mean by that? Teaching is not only what happens in classrooms. Joanne and I both have other responsibilities in which we do a fair amount of that. But the, even we must admit that most learning in life actually happens someplace else outside of classrooms, in relationships with others, in real life experiences. You guys know that already, don't you? What we need to learn in those moments, in those teaching moments, is not just content for our minds to ponder, but hopefully true spiritual wisdom. And how do you get wisdom? You garner it from experience and from listening to those who have matured further in the faith than we have. So it's encouraging then that Timothy's first teachers in the faith were, guess who? His mother, Eunice, and his grandmother, Lois. He got it at home first. By the time he partnered with Paul, when Timothy was a young man, he had already received and grown through the teaching and example of previous generations. We've got to pass this on to our own kids and grandkids in our home. Mm -hmm. And then the church, yes, people like Paul, people can come alongside and, um, and, and help nurture and disciple that. But it begins there, when at all possible. So Paul built on that foundation that had already been laid. He took Timothy into the real world of ministry with him. He says, come along with me. He's in Troas, picks up Timothy and says, hey, I'm going over to Greece. Why don't you join the party? Let's, let's see what this is really like. So he taught him not only about God and the Christian life, the truths of the faith, but he also taught him about the ways of the world. And the world was hard for him. By the way, they, they, they left Troas, went across the sea, went to a little place called Neapolis, went from there to Philippi and got thrown in jail. 
You know, that's the way it works. And uh, Timothy may not have, you know, Paul and Silas were the ones that are talked about there, but uh, he, he learned the ways of the world really quickly. It's going to be risky and tough out there, young man. It's worth it. Come along with me. Watch how we do this. So Paul lived his faith in real life so that Timothy could not only hear the words, but to see it and to grow in wisdom by watching him. To actually see for himself how Christ lived and acted through Paul. And because Paul taught with more than words, he also taught by putting the words into action in his life, Timothy could be strong and bold. Ultimately, in the end, not just because Paul did it, ultimately we're trying to push past the person who is the mentor or the spiritual father or the parent or whatever, but it's because Paul believed that God would do it in and through Timothy. It was about Christ in the end. And by the way, this is all despite his youth. Paul went out of his way to encourage him on that too, publicly, in a public letter. He said, instruct and teach the people all that I've taught you. And don't be intimidated by those who are older than you. Simply be the example they need to see by being faithful and true in all that you do. Speak the truth, live a life of purity and authentic love as you remain strong in your faith. Now, I have to tell you, this, I, I'm, I'm old now, but uh, when I first started in ministry, uh, don't laugh, Larry. Uh, when I first started in ministry, I really hung to these words. I was a pastor when I was 20 years old, and the average age of my congregation members was 70. And man, was I intimidated. I didn't even know what I didn't know, but I knew I didn't know much, you know? <laughs> and so I'd get up there and like, what do I have to give these great saints of God? And you know what? Some of them were great saints of God who were so wonderfully patient with me and helped me. And some of them at age 70 were so spiritually and emotionally and relationally immature that it's like they had sat there for the previous 50 years and had not learned a thing. Which was disappointing to hear. But it's true, isn't it? Spiritual maturity is not tied to chronological age. You can just add the years and never grow up in Christ. Yeah. You can, this is how I had it worded here. It's much better. You can be well seasoned in years, but remain an infant in Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Or you can be wet behind the ears, but deep in spirit. And I know people who are like that. You see, Timothy as a young man was encouraged to live out his own faith bravely in front of everybody else. Yes. In the time and in the situation he was in, and trust the Holy Spirit to be with him as the Spirit had been with Paul. Just like Joshua, the younger man, had to trust that God was going to be with him as he had been with Moses. Seems true for us. Having faith in God and spending time in prayer is necessary. Teaching our children and others the ways of God with our words is vital. There are some people doing that right now in the other room. But we also need courageous action. Yeah. Just like Joshua had when Moses was gone and Jericho's walls were in front of him. Courage. Living it out. Being bold enough to risk something for Christ. Being bold enough to stand apart from the ways of the world. This is what bridges our faith into action. It's one thing to tell people, hey, I'm a person of faith. But if it doesn't make any difference in your life, uh-huh. then what they're going to learn is that faith won't make any real difference in their lives either. Yep. I'm tempted to say something here that's not in my notes. You guys are all here, so I'll bless you with this one and commend you for it. If 
worshiping God, if coming together in this community is an optional activity in our life that we squeeze in between the th- after the things that matter most, our kids and our grandkids are going to learn that that's where it belongs to us, a priority. Thanks for being here. It's not for us. It's for what God wants to do in community. We'll get to that a little bit later on here. Yeah, and thanks to the live streamers, too. Yeah, yeah. For being here, too. Being yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a little thing, but it's the kind of things that show the world what priorities are. Where am I at here? We teach with what we say, yes. You already said this, I already said this. We teach more with what our lives. You don't have to be eloquent. You don't have to make a show of putting your faith in action. It's not about showing off for the world. Small things can really make a difference. Yeah, and since it's Father's Day, I wanted to use an illustration from my dad to illustrate this point that Tony's making. See, my dad, some of you know him. He's a man of few words. He's truly humble. He doesn't like to draw attention to himself. Um, he lets others around him shine. Um, and yet, you know, he does live his faith, but he does it in quiet ways that are unmistakably real. I remember when I had my first major knee surgery. Um, I was in college, and of course, I thought I knew everything. Um, and my relationship with my mother was quite strained. After the surgery, of course, I was kept sedated for the pain. But I still remember how, you know, somewhere in that drug-induced fog, I was slowly coming to, and I heard my father's voice speaking very quietly. And I could, I could feel him holding my hand. So I, and I didn't open my eyes. I was curious. I just listened. He was very quietly teaching me. He was telling me how much my mother loved me, but uh, that she didn't always know how to show it. Uh, he told me stories about how she cared for me that I didn't know. And he told me how much he cared, and he told me how much he wanted our relationship restored. And then he prayed. I had never heard my father pray before. Prayed. And you know, that made an impact. I did not know Christ then. It was going to be many years before I received Christ. But some of my father's spirit of wisdom rested on me that day. As I laid in that hospital bed with my eyes closed, taking it all in as my father blessed me by taking the risk to be vulnerable, to speak words of truth and love and hope into me, and then putting it putting the words into action right in front of me. Um, Yeah, I'll see him later today. I might remind him of that. (laughs) When the time came for Paul to leave Ephesus, where he had taken Timothy, he stayed there a long time. He left Timothy behind in leadership there, despite his youth. Why did he do that? Because Timothy was not ready. He could teach others what Paul had taught and go beyond it and talk about his own experience of Christ and continue a cycle that preceded him and would continue far beyond him. We are here today because of that cycle. So Paul wrote to him and said, Timothy, my dear son, this is a public letter too, live your life empowered by God's free-flowing grace, which is your true strength, found in the anointing of Jesus and your union with him. And all that you learn from me, confirmed by the integrity of my life, 
deposit into faithful people who are competent to teach others the same things. Now, did you catch something going on? Did you catch four generations of faith in that passage? Let's look at them here. Paul, let's go to the next slide here. Paul taught Timothy and others. There was Silas and there was Barnabas, there was others and, and, um, and uh, a number of women that Paul worked with. But Paul's there, he taught others. Timothy was to teach them to people who were faithful and would learn and then they would be able to teach others. And you see just with only two people in each generation how quickly we're able to grow the body of Christ into depth and, um, and, and even grow it numerically because they're busy passing on to the next ones. Not just the next generation, but the ones who are there in front of them. Here, I'm gonna, try, I'm gonna disciple you, I'm gonna teach you. Now it's your turn to pass this on to someone else. Mm-hmm. So Joanne and I are not the only teachers here, you all are. Yep. We get up here, I gotta get in the, in the camera again here. We get up here, and we give you something, and you pass it on to the to, to people in your family and it, the, the folks that you in contact with. And you help them grow in faith, and then they pass it on to someone else, and they pass it on to someone else. That's how it's supposed to work. You are never to become dependent just upon us being, uh, giving you something here on Sunday morning. This is part of your own growth as, as a Christian, and then you pass it on to the others. Each generation becomes living witnesses, passing along to their own generation, and yes, to the next ones too, what has been given to us. And, uh, and on and on it goes. So another reflection question, who in your life is teaching you in words or actions a deeper faith? That's the one side. Yep. And who needs you to teach them what a follower of Jesus looks like in 2021? Yeah. In this context, given the realities now, we will create, those words are creating well, we'll create something well in this world if we will pay attention to that invitation. Yeah, and we'll put the reflection questions on the website. Yes, I think we've been doing that as we go through this series. All right, so a third way, there's many, many more, but the third one, last one we'll talk about this morning, a third way we create well is when we respect. So bless, teach, respect. You don't have to raise your hands, but a lot of fathers feel bad because they don't think they get the respect they deserve from their kids. Dads aren't the only ones though, right? A lot of people feel like they're not respected by the people around them. And often they get hurt, um, they get angry, or they complain, or they make demands that they be given respect, the respect they deserve. Tony said, you can almost hear Aretha Franklin singing, R-E-S-P-E-C-T. <laughs> I know what Some it means of you were thinking it, weren't you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that find out what it means to me. She's singing. Sock it to me. There's a reason that song was so popular. Listen, because here, when it comes to respect, the first person that needs to respect you is you. Self-respect. It comes from first, personally experiencing the love and acceptance of your creator. We're coming back because we're making the likeness image of a creator, God. Yes, and God created you and loves you and accepts you just as he created you. So personally experiencing that. Second, self-respect comes from confidently trusting in the blessing that God has created you with gifts, with meaning, with purpose in life, that that's true, not just pushing it aside. 
Believing it, trusting it, confidently and living like that. That's the third point. Self-respect comes from then courageously stepping out to be that person and to fulfill that purpose. See, we're going to use, to illustrate this point, two New Testament stories about women. The first is the story of Mary and her relative, Elizabeth. You remember the story after Gabriel had come and announced to Mary, you know, God wants you to be the mother of the Messiah. Um, Mary receives that. The angel also tells her that, you know, her relative Elizabeth in old age is six months pregnant. So as soon as angel disappears, pretty shortly afterwards, Mary goes to visit Elizabeth. Both women were pregnant. Mary was pregnant before she was supposed to be, right? She wasn't officially married yet. And Elizabeth was pregnant long after she was supposed to be. Both pregnancies were miraculous, and perhaps only the two of them could fully understand and support each other in in these unusual circumstances. So when Mary went to visit Elizabeth, Elizabeth greeted her and gave her several incredible gifts. A safe embrace, a place to stay that was safe. Elizabeth gave her a blessing, and as Tony just said, an example that Mary could learn from, and yes, Elizabeth gave her the gift of respect. We read about it in Luke 1. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. Right. She's blessed. She believed like Moses and Joshua and Timothy. When Gabriel first announced God's plan for Mary... You know, that she's been chosen by God to bring the Messiah into the world. She did what all of them did when they first had their call. She hesitated. She felt honored. Yes, no doubt. But we know she was also wondering about how could this happen to me? Not only am I a virgin, but I'm I'm just an ordinary young woman. Why me? Mary did give a wholehearted yes to God. Yet, what she said about herself is interesting. Yes. But she said only of herself that she was God's servant, so he could do with her whatever he wanted. But you know, when Elizabeth greets Mary with such honor and respect and blesses her, something, we see something shift in Mary. It shifts, the way she sees herself shifts. She breaks out into a glorious song of praise that's drawn from the scriptures and and is celebrating, listen, not only God's power and goodness and grace, but also celebrating her own place in the unfolding of God's purposes in the world. In, again, Luke 1, Mary sings, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl. This is what she thought of herself before. And from now on, from this moment on, all generations will call me blessed. Sounds like private. It's not. 
deep, holy self-respect. For the mighty one is holy. He has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. Do you hear it? God had honored, blessed, and respected her. Elizabeth had honored, blessed, and respected her. And now Mary is singing because she can honor, bless, and respect herself in a whole new way. God wants that for all of us, folks. All of us. He wants us to sing that song of praise. And then over the next 33 years, we see Mary taking very seriously herself and her place in God's fulfillment of his promise to Eve. Because the deliverer that God said would come to free humanity from its bondage to sin and death was growing in her womb. The Savior God said would restore a broken world to him was going to be born through her. The, the Redeemer that God said would reconcile all things together again as one was going to be her child. And even as an adult, her child, Jesus, performed his first miracle at Cana because his mother asked him to. This mutuality, Tony was just highlighting, it's a mutual respect and mutual, and based in self-respect. Jesus performed the, that, turned water into wine at that wedding because his mother asked him to. Because she had believed in and respected God and now, she was also believing in and respecting her son as God's son. And Jesus obviously respected her because he did what she asked. Mary's, she carried influence in Jesus' life. And it shows us something about the influence our own self-respect can have in the lives of our own kids, our own spiritual children, so that maybe generations will rise up and call us blessed. Real quick, one more example, and we'll wrap some things up. Jesus met another woman one day at a well outside the village of Samaria. That Samaritan woman had experienced enough of life to cause anyone to be jaded. From all appearances, she had been used by men. One of the dark undercurrents of a Father's Day is how many men have become fathers by using women. Yeah. And maybe she had used them too. We don't know. But it seems that she was not respected by the others in her town. And then she met Jesus, who knew everything about her, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Mm -hmm. And instead of dishonoring her, he loved her. Yeah. He loved her so much, he invited her to participate in what God was doing in the world. He revealed himself to her. And it changed her. Love can do that over a period of time, or sometimes in just in a moment. What's the story say? All at once, the woman left her water jar, and she ran off into the village, and she told everyone, come and meet a man at the well who told me everything I've ever done. You can see the eyebrows going up, can't you? Mm -hmm. Everything? We know you. <laughs> we know what you've done. <laughs> he could be the one we've been waiting for. Uh -huh. And what happened? Hearing this, the people came streaming out of the village to go see Jesus. Why'd they come? Because she obviously, so obviously believed in the blessing she had been given in that moment. She respected herself enough to be courageous to her disrespecting neighbors. Yeah. 
She loved them in that moment enough to want to share this goodness with them. It's not just me who's been waiting for this moment. You all too. And I'm going to bridge this gap with you for in this moment and invite you into what I've just experienced. It's a powerful lesson for all of us there. Mm-hmm. Yes, maybe we've been disrespected in life. We need to stop hanging our heads, sulking, complaining about it. Stop angrily demanding respect. Never works anyway. Respect isn't demanded. Respect is earned. And it starts by being a person worthy of your own respect. You live a life that's worthy of your own respect. Others will respect you too. Yeah. And we get there by experiencing real, unconditional love, which God has been offering every day of our lives. Yes. So let's get real about this. When we say no to all the different ways that we act out in this world, workaholism, materialism, our temper tantrums, our narcissism, it's mm-hmm. all about me. You're showing respect for yourself, that you are better than that. When you say yes to being faithful to your spouse, you're showing respect for yourself, because you are one. When you control your anger, you're showing respect for yourself. It's the only image of God that many other people have. The choices that you make in terms of your priorities, when you write your checks, what you do with your time, all of that is shown respect for yourself and it shows to other people. If they're going to respect God, they need to see believers that they can respect. Mm-hmm. And by the way, respecting ourselves as God does, it's, it's the guys God does, isn't arrogant, it isn't proud, it's necessary. It flows from a respect for God, at developing a character like God, becoming. Honest, faithful, loyal, and true in a world that knows very little of those qualities anymore. Yeah. And we'll talk to all you parents. Even if your children are adults now, there's some good news in this. Even if you're sitting here going, hey, I wasn't someone that my kids have respected before. Maybe one night they were growing up. Maybe I'm not now. Even if you have regrets about that, it's not too late. It's not too late to begin respecting yourself enough to become an example that can invite even adult children to respect themselves. Some of you have done that as you got into midlife or or later on. You've chosen to change who you are and your kids notice. So let me ask one more reflection question. Because we got real. We got got down the brass tacks with some of this here. How is God inviting you to respect yourself more? Yeah. And who else? Who else is worthy of respect in your life? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let's draw this together. We've asked you three reflection questions this morning. Who could you bless? Who could you teach? And who could you respect, starting with yourself? Of course, there's always more, right? But these three actions go a long way toward creating well. Because of what we can co-create together, when we are all blessing, teaching, and respecting. See, not simply as individuals who wake up and grow up in faith, that's important. You know, not only as we are individually, personally, inviting others to do the same, that's important. But the bigger reality is what we can co-create together with God. And that is a community of people who show the world what God intended for us all along. All of us. 
See, church was never intended to just be an event to attend, a ministry to support, or a place to go. It includes those things, but the church is far more than that. If you've hung around Rosanna for any length of time, you know this already. This is the vision. This is the mission. This is it all. That God created the New Testament church to be a radical new community of love to help bring about the restoration, reconciliation, and renewal of all things in Christ. It's what we talked about last week. So that the kingdoms of this world might become the kingdom of our God, that the knowledge of God might spread over the world like the ocean, the water covers the sea. See, if we can do that here, in this place, together, if we can be church with each other, then we can legitimately invite the rest of the world to follow our example as we follow Christ. That's what Paul invited the church to do in his day. But if we can't do it here, if we cannot bless and teach and respect each other right here and create together Eden right here, then we lose the chance to be living witnesses to an eternally created God. This is what God is creating. He wants us to join him. Doesn't this world need that kind of creativity and need it now more than ever? Yes. So let's not waste our chance, folks. Let's be inspired this Father's Day from Moses and Joshua, from Paul and Timothy, from Elizabeth and Mary, from Jesus and the Samaritan woman, and perhaps from our own spiritual parents from our own spiritual friends. And let's put it into practice. Let's put the faith into practice in such a a way that we're not just saying we believe it. We're showing it. Amen? Let's live it. Now, how do we close out a service like this? Well, we take our cue from Jesus. How did he close out uh, his own ministry? Before he ascended into heaven, he took his disciples for a walk. Luke 24 says, when he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and Mm -hmm. was taken up into heaven. And then they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And it says that they they met together every day. Then um, from that point on, their spiritual father gave them his blessing Moses, to Joshua, Paul, to Timothy, Jesus, the disciples, again, again, generation after generation, passing on the blessing. And he transformed their grief about his departure into joy and into a deeper faith. We don't know for certain what the blessing was. Luke doesn't tell us, but I think he gives us a a clue. It says he lifted up his hands. He's adding that, that detail on purpose. There's actually a blessing in the Bible, in the Hebrew Bible, in the Bible that they knew. That was actually called the lifting of the hands. Mm-hmm. We know it as the high priestly prayer. It was taught to Aaron, the brother of Moses, so that he could bless the people of Israel with it. So we're going to bless you with it today as we finish here. Mm-hmm. So that it might fill you with great joy and encourage your faith. For you too are living witnesses to the resurrection, just like the disciples were. And our encouragement is to receive it not only for yourself, but find somebody to pass it along to. Somebody who will be blessed by hearing it from you. We'll post this with the reflection questions wherever we post them here, okay? Here's your blessing today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you. 
and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. Amen. Next Sunday, we're going to wrap up this series. And by we, I mean she. (laughs) (laughs) And we're going to explore a prayer found in Paul's letter to the Philippians. He says, this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. We'll post that one too. We'll invite you to ponder that one this week. Pray with it this week. See what God has for us next Sunday. Blessings. Yes. Enjoy the day. Dads, enjoy the day.